Hi, and welcome to this football story, episode 2, Origin Games, part 2. I'm your host, Marianne Burton. In the last episode, we took a look at the ancient games through Asia and the Pacific Rim. This time, we will have a look at the games that took place in the Americas and Europe. Perhaps one of the most infamous, if not the most infamous, ancient football game is the Mesoamerican Olamalitzli, Olama, or Ritual Ball game. The game most likely originated with the Olmecs sometime between 800 and 400 BC, though possibly even earlier. The Olmec civilization, rubber people in Aztec language of Nahuatl, lived in the tropical lowlands of the Gulf of Mexico and were the first major civilization in Mexico. The game spread from the Olmecs to later cultures, particularly those which resided in El Tajin and Monte Alban. This includes the Maya, who referred to the game as Poktapok, the Toltec, Mixtec, and Aztec. The game of Olama was played on a massive eye-shaped court called a Tlachli, using a solid rubber ball or uli. In early times, the object of the game was for the heavily padded players to knock the ball with their elbows, knees, or feet into the opponent's end of the court. In post-classical times, 900 AD onward, the aim of the game became knocking the ball through the stone rings placed vertically on the wall, one on each side of the court. The player's padding was made of deer skin or quilted cotton and used to cover the elbows and knees. They wore headdresses or helmets to cover the head and stone belts called yokes or yugos around the waist or chest. These were used to hit and pass the ball and were elaborately decorated. The game of Olama has its origins in the universe and the religious beliefs of the pre-Hispanic Mesoamerican peoples. The most common interpretation saw the movement of the ball around the court as a representation of the battle of the sun with the moon and stars, a show of the principle of lightness and darkness. The game's religious connection to the sun and moon with the Maya and Aztec people led to the sacrificial offerings of the losing captain, or sometimes the entire losing team as depicted in pre-Columbian books such as the Codex Borgia and on carved stone friezes decorating the walls of ball courts at sites like Chichen Itza and El Tajin. The decapitation would be done by the winning captain or by a priest. These sacrifices seem to stem from a very important part of the Popol Vuh, a Mayan creation myth, which mentions two sets of important gods going down into the underworld to contest with the gods of the underworld. Afterwards, as the losing team, they are killed and transformed into celestial bodies. The sacrifice of losing teams in the Maya culture is a reaffirmation of this, an acknowledgement of the contract with the underworld, which allowed the sun and moon to rise every day as long as the sacrifices were made. When the Spanish arrived, they recorded their impressions of the ball game, but they were quick to ban it for its pagan connotations. Today, several variations of the game are played in a few communities in the state of Sinaloa. Further up the Atlantic coast, in the northeastern area of North America, the game was played by the indigenous tribes of that region, such as the Algonquin, Powhatan, and Lenni Lenape. Not many details have survived, and the written accounts by European settlers are not greatly reliable, as they often refer to all tribes in the area as Indians, not separating what may have been several games, just lumping everything together. So unfortunately, I will just have to relay what little I was able to gather about the game's played mainly in the area of Virginia and Delaware, referred to mainly as Pasahemon. It is unknown to us today how far back these traditional games were played, but they predated European settlers arriving in the area. 
there were reports of the game being played on the beaches of Jamestown and the game stretching on for two days to decide a winner. There could be any number of players from 100 up to 1,000 was reported, though these numbers could be greatly exaggerated. The field of play had no definitive size and no straight lines marked out the playing area, but accounts placed the field as large as one kilometer wide and one and a half kilometers long. Once again, this seems greatly exaggerated, or likely another game entirely. Each team was made up of players of only one sex, and generally only boys and young men played versus the women. The male team could only play the ball with their feet, while the female team could kick, carry, or throw the ball. The men were not to tackle, while the females could freely do so. The ball, called a pasahican, was made from deer skin stuffed with deer hair. It was oblong in shape and about nine inches in diameter. They placed goalposts on either end of the field, two per end, about six feet apart and made of trees stripped of their branches, which could stand up to 15 feet high. An elder man or woman would be selected to keep score, using a pile of 12 sticks. Whenever all 12 sticks were used up, the game would be over and a victor declared. In the case of a tie, a tie-breaking round would be played for the extra point. Like most indigenous forms of football, Pasahiman has all but vanished due to the influence of settlers. However, there are still some who play, and a real effort seems to have been made to revive the sport among the indigenous communities of the region. Move further up the coast, into the Arctic, and you'll find another indigenous game which we know next to nothing about. Played by the Inuit of northern Canada and Alaska, Aksaktuk is not a well-documented game, not least because the Arctic was not as well explored an area as other regions when settlers were exploring the west. They also lacked a written language until the 1800s, when missionaries and linguists refined an alphabet using the Roman orthography, so it is unknown how long the Inuit had the game of Aksaktuk. Here is what we do know about this game. The game would be played between two teams, generally two opposing villages. The teams did not need to have the same number of players as each other, and the number of players in each game would vary. The size of the playing field would also vary. The two goals would sometimes be set up miles apart, between two villages. The teams would name themselves after animals which were native to the area, and which held significance. For instance, it was common to use the ptarmigan, a grouse-like bird, and the longtail, a species of duck. It is also important to note that the animals which the teams picked would affect how the game would be played. For instance, if the team chose to play as a water-based animal such as the seal, they would shoot towards the sea. Likewise, if a team chose an animal which was forest-based, like a caribou, that team would shoot towards the forest. Aksaktuk was not a game of speed. It was a game of stamina, and as such, the ball did not need to be light and flexible as today's balls. It was made of a blend of animal hide held in place by whale bones, stuffed with feathers, moss, or fur. Aksaktuk was unfortunately not a game which withstood the test of time. The building of settlements and forcing of people from lands, forcibly removing their culture, most likely played the largest role in the loss of this remarkable game. It is fascinating to look back at all of these ancient and not-so-ancient games and see how even when cultures have had no contact, still seems to be a thread of connection between them. The football game. Though they may vary widely in rules and meanings, football games in their many forms are clearly one of the truly unifying histories of the world. Do you have a question or comment about this episode? Is there a game which you think should have been included? Feel free to reach out. I can be contacted at thisfootballstory at outlook.com.
or you can reach me at my website at thisfootballstory.wordpress.com. In the next episode, I'll be taking a look at the development of football in its modern form and the establishment of the first ever football league. That's the history of the English game next time on This Football Story. Mm-hmm.